Thanks again to everyone supporting us on the podcast through Patreon. Patreon allows our listeners an opportunity to contribute to the podcast and allow us to bring you great guests and content each week. Thank you to all of our patrons and a special shout out to Jonathan Lambert for being our largest donor. You too can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash mentors, the number four M-I-L. This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, trusted natural solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code mentors the number four MIL at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. Mentors for Military Podcast. So sitting here is Mike Rutledge, and Mike um, has a background very similar to you. Of course, he's an old fart because uh, he just retired after a lot of damn years in the uh, the Army. Uh, but prior to that, was in the Navy as a Navy SEAL. So he started off, uh, I guess, as a SAR crew, a corpsman, weren't you, or something like a, that? I was or? a rescue summer for three years, rescue and then, uh, I went to, went to Buds in Class 196, and then uh, I was at SEAL Team 1 for about eight years, and then started trade at, and then in 2002, uh Skipped over and went to the army. Went saw to the light for about fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. Saw the light and realized that that navy that gig sucks, right? So the dead end, dead end job. <laughs> <laughs> so I told you it was an old fart. You heard his class number, right? So oh, that's not that bad. You know, I we saw this photo <laughs> that you recently put up on Instagram, and I joke with you, but I'm serious, man. You look like you're about 14 years old in that photo. When did, did you yeah, join right. with a waiver at 14 or something? It's the uh, it's the Asian jeans. Is that what it is? Okay. That's keep keep me young. Yeah, in that photo I was Did you really look like twenty five now? Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, that was back in two thousand and seven. Uh I think I was man, like twenty three twenty three, twenty four at the time. No way, man. You look I'm serious, man. You look like you seventeen, eighteen years old, like you just came in. What did you come in as? I mean Mike came in as a rescue swimmer. What was your route? So I had um, I had a, a buds contract when I enlisted. So uh, back then we didn't have the the SL rating yet. So I did have to go in, go to boot camp, go to A school. So I came in as an IT. Uh, so I I spent my first about fourteen months in Great Lakes with uh, with boot camp, and then with my A school, and then I was at the um, the, the dive motivator program in Great Lakes before. I headed out to Buds, so okay. I um, I came out here to San Diego um, in f- end of February of 2006. Okay, so now what SEAL teams are out there in San Diego? Because isn't that where you were as well, Mike? 
Yeah, uh, I think they got, well, they had one, three, and five when I was there. Now they probably got seven and something else. I can't remember all the ones that they have now, but. Yeah, they're the one, three, five, and seven are here on the West Coast. Okay. And then there's two, four, six, eight, ten over there uh, on the East Coast. And then there's the, the SDB teams over in Hawaii. Okay, because I was wondering about that. It seems like every uh, seal seems to be from San Diego area, uh, either before, after, during, whatever. Dude, you know, dude, why would you want to break ice to do a PT swim in Virginia? Oh, definitely not. No, not and and not to mention San Diego. I mean, listen, if anybody has ever been to San Diego and didn't like it, I you I you'd be the first person I've ever met that fit that category because that is a beautiful city. Yeah, I came. Uh, I'm originally from New Hampshire, and so oh. when I yeah I, I I came out here um, when I checked into Buds, that was my first experience on the West Coast, and uh, there was really I was sold after that. And uh, unfortunately, when I when I got out of the military, my my family was under the impression that I was moving back home. Psych. That, I, I don't know where <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That wasn't an option at all. But uh, yeah, I, I just fell in love with the city and. Uh, been here ever since yeah now i used to go there primarily on business of course when i was a little kid my dad was in the navy and we lived there for a period of time i don't remember it uh, but i i do remember slight memories just you know here and there but when i went back on business later in life and what is it the light district the gas lamp district. gas lamp district okay yeah. the gas lamp district is uh, really awesome with all the different foodie pieces you know the the bars the liveliness and the whole bit that's for- that's where I met my wife, his gas lamp district. Get out of here. Yeah, spaghetti place. Followed her home to college. Spaghetti place? No, <laughs> I can't. Spaghetti factory. It's not even I, there anymore. I was oh, going to yeah. say, I don't even think those exist at all in the U.S. any longer. We, we no. still have some. Do you? Okay. Here. Yeah, we're up in North County now, so they're they're still around here. Yeah, I love those, actually. Uh, but So it's so funny that you, you met her there. But, I mean, you know, you have, what, Coronado, a beautiful place. Uh, the whole atmosphere around there just has a cool vibe to it, really laid back. Um, the ocean, just absolutely gorgeous. I could see totally why somebody would live there, other than the fact that it's expensive as all get out. What your gas is like twenty dollars a gallon. It seems like right now. Every time I see it, it's like five dollars and sixty cents or five dollars and eighty cents or something right now a gallon. Or uh, not, we're we're back to about the low fours, I believe. Oh wow! Still, um, I mean, I'm up I'm up north a little ways in Escondido, uh, which is just about a half hour. Uh, north of the city, but well, I remember uh, going up there a lot, San Diego, and actually heading to Temecula, and what a beautiful uh, drive and beautiful uh, location that is as well in wine country. So there's a whole lot to do within that area. The other downside is just the Santa Ana winds and the the fires that it brings. If you can get you know past the expenses and the the fires, then you know and the traffic and the traffic. Oh, and yeah. Dope. yeah. <laughs> All that. If you can get past there, all that, it's awesome. There's uh, no good time for traffic anymore. It doesn't matter what day it is, what time it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's there all the time. I mean, not not nearly as bad as LA, but still, it's it's getting it's pretty ridiculous here as well. So, growing up in New Hampshire, how was it that you ended up going into the Navy and serving in the military in the first place? Then, so I did the old uh, college try after high school. Uh, I was in college for a year. It just wasn't really uh, for me. Uh, one of my best friends that I was in high school with had actually joined the military right at whatever right after graduation. So um, he actually kind of just talked me into that route. It, I mean, back then this was what 2005. 
Uh, it was still, you know, that time where if you didn't have a degree, you weren't going to make it in the world. So right. military was kind of like my second option, and, and I felt like my only my only option. So that's what uh, originally uh, got me to enlist. Okay. So you didn't have any father, parents, or, you know, nothing. Okay. Nope. No, no family background in the military. Yeah. Okay. That is interesting. So it was just a buddy. So did your buddy end up going into the SEALs or anything or, you know? Uh, he didn't. He was actually, he was a CB. Okay. After you got in, you ended up going to San Diego. What what team were you in? Were you in SEAL Team 1? Seven. Seven. Okay. So I take it that you spent about six years within the military or somewhere in that? Uh, I, I did six years. Six years. So okay. I, was, I was only with the, the teams for four years. And during that time frame, some things must have happened that caused you to then go in and create a nonprofit. You know, Mike and I were just joking prior to the show, but veterans tend to go in a couple different routes. And it seems like it's usually more coffee, T-shirts, those types of things. I joke, but, you know, it, it seems like you can also trip over uh, nonprofit, uh, you know, veteran nonprofit supporting things. But what you decided to create was something very unique. And we'll talk about that a little bit here. But we're both curious as to how that was founded and why. What, why was sure. that so important to you? And why do you feel like that was more of your passion or purpose? So uh, I got out in 2011. And uh, I, I kind of dug myself a hole with not having a, a real solid plan when I got out. So I actually went back to school for just about a year um, after I, I discharged. And I spent about four years just going from job to job after that. And it was really just not having a passion. And, uh, and I, I did the whole like tactical training route. I was working for a CQB school in Escondido at one point. I was working at a gun range here in Poway. Um, actually, my first job out, I was working with the uh, the Rock and Roll Marathon series, uh, just to setting up the races, which was actually pretty cool because I got to travel around the country, which I, had, I uh, really hadn't seen a whole lot of. And um, so Hang it was. On a second. You're in the SEAL teams, and you didn't get to travel around the country and see anything. I no, hate to break every, 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 but. everything was. Uh, I mean, everything's pretty local, you know. As far as all our, our training was, I mean, you got you got nylon. You got. Uh, I mean, everything is in California, really. Um, the only training we did outside of California was our mount training over in uh, Kentucky. But yeah, I never really actually saw a whole lot of the United States. Wow, that is kind of shocking, Mike. You know, in that time frame. Well. Not to interrupt your train of thought, but yeah, no because I think because we were doing workups all the time. We were like, gosh, we just have everything in town, so we're not gone for nine months out of the year. Now they did it. Now I could imagine, like, you haven't lived life as a team guy unless you got to go to Fort Chaffee, Arkansas for two oh, weeks. Oh, yeah. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything's pretty, pretty essential. Quantico for three weeks or right. West Point, Virginia for three weeks, some other garden spot. All right. Sorry, Perry. Continue. Oh, no worries. No worries <laughs> at all. <laughs> but yeah, so it was. Um, my wife and I, uh, she was just my uh, girlfriend at the time, but we, we were sitting down talking, and this was early 2016. And uh, so I had been out for about five years now, and what really started the train of thought of Active Valor was uh, I had the opportunity to – I've been working with a lot of veterans since I've been, been out. And just seeing the common trend of these these guys just get out, and there's no there's no purpose for them. You know? and some of these guys, lot. Yeah. yeah. And they have successful, you know, they're they're they got jobs, they have families, but they're all, you know, they're all missing that little something inside. And it's that it was that sense of service that at least we could 
tell for the most part. And so uh, when we started Active Valor, it was really for the veteran aspect. And it was giving these guys a chance to uh, feel that their their service was still needed. You know, I mean, I think a lot of uh, military personnel get out and they hang up the uniform and they're like, what's next? You know, I'm, I'm not valued anymore. I'm not important to this country anymore. And uh, so I think it's really hard to kind of jump back into the civilian life and just be, you know, in, in their minds, just be like another civilian and uh, we so we wanted to kind of reverse that and just show these guys that their their service is still strongly needed, and um, so yeah we we work hand in hand with the the Gold Star community and so um, basically when we were thinking about what Active Valor was going to be, uh, this it's really just a big brother program for veterans and it gives vets the chance so we we have this adventure series called Valor Adventures here out in San Diego, and so we pair a veteran one-on-one with the gold star kit and um i think also as a vet i mean there's there's real no bigger honor to for your fallen brothers than to be there to help take care of their families after after they've passed you know whether whether you had served with them or not uh, i think these guys really take to heart the value of of mentoring these kids and uh, in hopes that their their dads are watching down and you know proud of the work they're doing and, and proud to see that their kids are still um moving forward with that community. I've watched you guys for some period of time and two organizations come to mind. I mean, yours is one and another one is called GST uh, Adventures, you know, Gold Star Teen Adventures. That, yeah. Yeah. They, and it's really cool what you guys are doing with these Gold Star families. And for those who are not familiar that may be on the private sector and not sure what a Gold Star family is, it's a service member who is lost um, in combat or while serving in the military. And these are their family members. These are their spouses, their loved ones, or their kids in this situation. And uh, Gold Star Teen Adventures tries to put them together where they can team up with other kids like themselves and have an opportunity to learn from one another. You guys take it to just another level by pairing them up with an individual still in active duty. um, I think that kind of really helps as well, because then they can see somebody very much like the individual that they grew up with or they may never have known, really. And then also get to experience things with uh, other teens or other individuals, other kids who are going through the same types of trauma. Yeah, and that's really uh, – so with, with our vets, um, they're, they're all out of the service. They're all off active duty. And uh, they really – they come from every branch. So we, we accept vets from, from every branch. Um, our families are all – come from different, uh, different branches as well. Um, like, like you just mentioned, we do actually have kids that unfortunately never even, even met their fathers because they were born um, on their last deployment before they had passed. And so, yeah, really uh, giving, giving the kids a chance to – and one thing that we really try hard not to do is treat these kids like they're fragile. You know, there, there's a lot of, uh, and, and, and respectfully so, there's a lot of gold star organizations out there that do focus a lot on the, the grief aspect and then letting them kind of, you know, move on with life, which is obviously there's a, there's a time and place for that. But um, we, we just really wanted to focus on the positive aspect and they know that they get to come to our events because of their situation, but because of their situation, they get to really experience something that other kids just don't. And, um, yeah, they get to meet other Gold Star kids. It was really impactful for the women, actually. That was one thing we didn't take into account when we first started was this is really great therapy for all the widows. Right. Um, actually, when we had our first event in September of 2017, um, you know, we, one, of, uh, one of the moms that came to us, she had been 
13 years uh, since she lost her husband. And then we've also, we also had one um, woman that was in her first year of loss. And so it was her first exposure to other women that have actually gone through their tragedy. And so it, it, it really turns into a big group session for them. You know, it's, it's a couple hours where they get to pass on their kids to, uh, to go learn some important life lessons. But for them, they get to have that camaraderie themselves. So Perry with the widows are kind of a whole separate thing, you know, cause they're, they're adults and dealing with that, dealing with the grief process. What do you, how do you brief up the veterans that are participating? Like you said, to make it an uplifting, we're not focusing on your loss. We're just like-minded kids are getting together. How do you, how do you prep that? So it's not the doom and gloom, you know, that you see with a lot of the retreats and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's really just comes down to a very quick conversation and, with these vets too, is I think when uh, when we when we get new vets that come on board, they they are pretty hesitant with um, how to how to act around these kids. And uh, honestly, when we when our adventures are going on, we actually just had our our big Halloween event here last weekend. And um, when you see everybody show up and all all the kids are just, just show up ready to have fun, um, the vets kind of come beforehand and get a little orientation on what's going to go on. They, they get their time to, to spend with their brothers as well and, and build up their camaraderie um, with well, amongst themselves. But um, it really honestly just naturally happens. You know, we, we let them know that they're not there to talk about their lost loved ones. If they bring it up, that's, that's totally fine. You know, and that's, that's something that they deal with uh, if it happens, but it has always been in a positive manner so far to where, um, one of the kids will see uh, a cuff on one of the veterans that you know, has somebody that they lost and, and it just makes them start talking about their dad and they have a cuff of their dad too. So it actually sparks this conversation that really is a happy one. Um, so we really haven't had to deal with any of the, the negative emotional aspect yet. Um, just because naturally it just, it just, it's just a fun atmosphere when you show up mm-hmm. to begin with. One of the things that we've talked about in this um, this podcast many times, and even when Mike uh, transitioned out and re- uh, recently retired, was that struggle that you know we end up having post transition. You know, you're you're used to going certain place, being at a certain place, having a sense of purpose. You know, do, um, and and having your tribe mentality or, or those types of things, and then you come off back of duty, you may end up going back to your hometown or to some other location where there may not be as many military service members they're not easy easily uh, found or recognized uh, because we tend to blend in a whole lot more when we get back into the private sector and so you start feeling that loss that sense of connection and for some people you feel like a, a bit of regret that you're not still in the war fight you're not still out there and you have brothers that still may be out there doing that and um, whatever those cases may be or it could just be that you never truly understood what your purpose in life or passion was and those may be two separate things so a passion could be something that you're doing on the side or as a hobby or something like that or it could be that um, you make your passion what your purpose is what you feel like you're really here to do in in the world and life and what you want to do in giving back mike this is something that there at the very end i think you talked about a lot right before you retired about what's that purpose you know and finding purpose yeah, well, only being what four or five months into it, uh, I'm st- still a little bit lost. I mean, I have a job, I have a purpose, I like where I live, um, but I am not adjusted at all after 30 years of being out of the military. Um, I mean, little things like I lay out, I bought five pairs of my favorite jeans, 
you know, so I still wear some sort of uniform because I've got to wear something. I can't just pick a random t-shirt and shorts every day. It makes me batty. I mean, there's some, <laughs> there's some wardrobe PTSD going on there for sure. But, uh, I do not have a purpose. Um, I mean, I, I won't say that, but I definitely miss, I miss the tribe but I'm not figured out what the replacement for that is. You can have a great job. I mean, I, I got family purpose. I got all that stuff, but, uh, there's definitely something missing. I laughed. I told my wife last night. I went and signed up at the. Uh, we live in a little little agricultural town. I went and signed up uh, at the American Legion, you know. And of course, they give you a free drink when you sign up. And I'm like the youngest person there by 30 years easily. And uh, so you know, you stay for one, two, three, or whatever. I told her, I'm like, oh well, that's the most fun I've had in this little town so far. Which is even funnier because I promised. I laughed. I'm like, I will never be the guy that hangs out at the VFW, you know, with my colostomy bag and my my wheelchair telling stories <laughs> that's bad and yet yet there i was um so i mean we're still we're still trying to figure it out we we haven't been out long enough to figure out what the routine is but i can only imagine if someone who gets out and doesn't have a plan you know like perry saying going job job trying to figure out what is your what is your passion i mean i retired so it was a little bit easy i mean i knew i was gonna fly i had some skills and stuff i wasn't bouncing around from occupation to occupation but um you just can't go from something that institutionalized and that regimented um, and easy because you've done it for enough years. You, you can't go from that to, okay, I'm going to go find a job. I mean, Perry knows it. You just, it doesn't work that way. It's a mess. Well, and, but you ended up doing it with your flying. I'm, you did that for so long within the military. It was easy for you to make that transition. You're, you're back in, like you said, farm country. You're out there spraying, you know, crops and getting a chance to do your aerobatics and everything in your aircraft and having a whole lot of fun, it sounds like. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's a passion that's more, maybe it is an income, but it, it sounds like maybe it's more of also a hobby. And I think that's, that's okay too, for some people. Well, and not to detract from this topic, but I've told you before, I think I may have said on the podcast, the whole flying and the crop dust and thing and all that, when I was in and deploying and I was gone, you know, which wasn't that long ago, only a few years ago, and I was gone six, seven, eight months out of every year. I never thought of actually turning that into an occupation. That was my therapy. I mean, my mm-hmm. wife and I have talked about it. That literally kind of held me together because when I was home, that was something I could sort of escape to and focus on. And it just ended up being an occupation when I got out. So whatever that is for each individual, you know, for, for Perry, it was, it was this. And so I guess everybody's got to kind of find out what that is, but you certainly got to flounder around a little bit to find out where your focus is. So what was the thought process that actually led to it? I know you kind of skipped over it a little bit, Perry, in terms of, you know, the conversation that you and your girlfriend had and you, you kind of, you know, started helping, you know, other people kind of connect. But what was it that this led that catalyst? I mean, that may have been a piece of it, but there must have been something greater here, something deeper. Well, for me, it was just the fact that, every job that I had when I got out was building up somebody else's dream. You know, I wasn't living my own thing. Yeah. And, uh, I think a lot of, when, when a lot of people get out of the military for some reason, they just feel like, that's it. Like that was their calling. And you, you had also mentioned that, you know, a lot of people kind of regret the decision of getting out after they make that decision. You know, it's always a great thought when you're just about to leave, but then you get out and you're like, what's next? Um, yeah, for, for us, it was really, uh, I, I wasn't, I feel like you know most people want to leave that legacy behind, and they, they most decent people in this and on this planet want to do something greater for others. And for us, that's the best feelings I get in life is when you do something good for somebody else. And so I was like, why not kind of make a living out of that and you know bring in smiles to people? Um, so it was, yeah, I just really wanted something to call my own. 
Yeah. And um, like I said, it, it's been uh, myself and, my, and now my wife just running the show here. And, uh, you know, she's got a full time job on top of that. And just she basically works two full time jobs doing this. But, um, yeah, I just really I, for me, it is something to get me out of bed in the morning. And yeah, Active Valor just has seemed to have been what's done that for me. And we talked about this in a different way. Sense of service is one of the reasons why individuals end up going in. Usually it's, you know, either to receive some kind of income or a job, um, you know, maybe a bonus or something of that nature. You come in maybe for the education. You come in for sense of service. There may be a number of reasons why you come in, but we all leave, I think most of us at least, after we get out of the military, with still that sense of pride, that sense of service, that sense of belonging and um, some people even take that like we all have here in some different way of trying to give back, you know, and for us, it's a podcast or some other means and stuff, you know, which we try to give back for you. It's giving back and teaching that same thing to some of the people who are still in active duty or fellow veterans that are out to say, hey, listen, you have an opportunity here to kind of impart your knowledge through mentoring, through guiding or just be quiet and listen, you know, um, and, and to to a kid here who really needs somebody and a parent figure like that, um, This it's, it's a critical moment. And it's a great way, I think, to teach some of these guys, maybe they're coming off active duty, that you got to find that passion. you got to find that thing that kind of really trips your trigger and gets you up in the morning and makes you not want to hit the snooze button. I'm assuming some of these are still on active duty. Um, so how are nope, they? They're all, um, oh, they're so all they're all Okay. Yeah, so all, all of our mentors um, are veterans. Uh, we do accept guys on active duty if they're within their last three months of transition. So um, we have one right now. He's actually one of our newer mentors who's just about to get out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, other, other than him, um, they're all, they've all been out of the service. Do you try to pair the individual with the kid in a like, you know, uh, like for instance, special operator with a gold star child whose parent was uh, special operations or conventional yeah, army uh, to army, you know, that type of thing or, um, not always. Yeah. Uh, so we actually, when, when we get our registrations, the, the families and vets go through a pretty lengthy questionnaire just so we can learn a, a little bit about them, at least as much information as they're willing to share. So we try to pair them up uh, more on personality traits. Um, but there, there just has, there have been some just perfect matches where we actually only have one family that came from NSW. Um, his dad was an EOD tech with SEAL Team 5. He actually, a few days ago is uh, the three-year anniversary of his passing. And um, we paired him up with one of our our uh, Navy SEAL vets that we have. Um, just because coming from that community, it just, you know, the, the, the families are already well connected and involved in, in that community. So, and that's one thing I think a lot of people don't take into consideration is that when these families lose their loved ones from the military and they don't just lose them, but they lose their entire connection to the service. You know, mm-hmm. it's once, once their husbands pass or, or wives pass, uh, that's, that's really, at least in our experience from, from the widows that we have, they've lost all connection and to the point where they can't even be around other military women because the conversations are just, they're just different. You know, when you have these women that are kind of, you know, kind of complaining that their husbands are going to be gone for another X amount of months. And for them, it's like, well, mine's not coming home. Right. And so they really they, they lose a lot more. Uh, so it's working with the veterans. It was just a perfect match, to be honest. Um, I mean, 
they just connect so well with the veteran community. And really, I don't think that any other community would be able to relate to them. Um, so it, the, the, the whole veteran and gold star community pairing just, it was, it was perfect. And I was actually really surprised that there wasn't anything else like that, at least here out in San Diego. So you mentioned that it's sort of like a big brother, big sister type of program. Is it something that lives on beyond just, let's say, a, a retreat, a workshop, an event? Is this something that the goal is really try to carry this on for a longer period of time, at least as long as both parties are willing to keep the mentor-mentee type of relationship? Or how does that work? Yeah, that's, that's basically exactly how it is. So once a, uh, once a kid and vet are paired, then... You know they're a pair until they're no longer with the program, and um, I mean, there, there's there's times when you know for an event, a veteran might not be able to make it, or a kid might not be able to make it, and so then they get paired up um, with with somebody else for that specific event. But um, yeah, I mean we we highly encourage all of our veterans to take you know take interest in, in these kids' lives. So I want to say um, out of all of our families, almost all of them are still in single parent homes. You know the their moms are wearing all the hats in the house and some have multiple kids. I mean, we have, we have a family from Fort Worth, Texas that come out to our events and uh, she has five boys. Wow. And so it's, they're just stuck wearing all the hats. So this is not only a break for them to be able to kind of get some free babysitting for an afternoon, but uh, yeah, it's <clears throat> obviously we, we don't want these guys to feel like they're filling dad's shoes by yeah. any means. Right. Um, and then, like I said, some of them already, they have kids of their own. And, um, but when you're spending the day with these families, at least for the veteran side, it really helps put things in perspective for yourself, which is what we wanted. You know, if we have guys that come to us and they're having their, their issues of their own um, with their transition for that moment in time, when they're, with active valor during our events, it's like all, all your worries go away, you know, all your troubles go away. Um, you're there and not only do they go away, but they're also replaced with something positive, something happy, something that actually gets them smiling and laughing. So it's really just a, a positive thing all around. But, um, yeah, as far as, as far as the mentorship goes, we try so hard to, to make sure that the connection stays relevant and consistent throughout the year. Um, we, and we have some that are fantastic. We have some of our vets that see their, their mentees a couple times a month. Um, we had one that would see his kid like every other week, a couple days, every other week. And, uh, and then there's, there are some that only see them at the adventures. Obviously when we have families that are out of state or, um, out of the city, it's a lot harder for them to stay physically connected, but at the bare minimum, you know, a FaceTime, a Skype, an email, something like that. Is there any plans in the future or have you already started a program by which um, you start tying and creating activities that while the kids are there meeting with the mentor or going through an event and those types of things that these spouses have an ability to connect and go deeper into, you know, working through some conversation or open communication um, as a support group, as you, if you will? Um, the thing about the Gold Star community is a lot of them are very well connected already because mm -hmm. of other programs like like TAPS. I know almost all of our families are involved with TAPS. But um, so we actually we, we have workshops that go on during our adventures. So while the kids and vets are out having fun, they can have an activity to, to keep their, their, their time um, a little more exciting as well. This last event we just had, our, our Halloween adventure, um, the moms actually, they, they came downstairs from the facility to, to watch the kids go through it. 
And a lot of them started jumping in and actually participating. And normally the kids are like, you know, mom, get out of here. This is my time. But um, it was actually really fun. It was the first time they had interacted as well with the vets and kids as a whole. Um, we, we had it at this this um, police facility in Carlsbad. And, um, you know, they had actually some of their active SWAT guys there participating. Uh, the kids got to ride in the armored vehicle around the complex and stuff like that. So all the moms were hopping on the vehicle and, and hanging on on the outside while they were doing loops around around the facility and stuff. So uh, it was actually really neat to see them want to participate because normally they, they like their kids having their own little thing. But um, they just saw how much fun they were having. And I think they kind of just, yeah, they kind of want to have that fun as well. But um, yeah, as, as, as far as the communication goes, a, a lot, if not all of the women are all interconnected already. And so I think they they have a, a better chance of the communication uh, for the kids it's great because the kids get to see other other gold star kids as well and uh we've actually had a lot of friendships form from our our events where the kids have met at our events um so yeah it's we're really been blessed on creating i mean it, it's a family it is really what it is and it's every time we we host an event it's like it feels like a reunion because you just get everybody back together and you get to see everyone again and um it just Tons of energy, and uh, you know, really couldn't ask for anything, anything more than that. So, Perry, I know a lot of guys that have started nonprofits that, you know, it'll go for three, four years strong, kind of the flavor of the month, and then, you know, they always ebb and flow with whatever the national political mm-hmm. views are, the perception of, you know, uh, you know. So, for the first five or six years of the war. It was hot, you know, because everybody was patriotic, wanted to help. And then they right. just assumed, well, because yeah. it's gone because it's gone on eight years. It must be OK. You know, eh, we're doing all right. There's really th- nobody's really dying anymore. There's none of that going on. So, I mean, every nonprofit struggles with it. But how do you how do you keep active valor relevant, you know, in the public eye? Um, because as Robert was saying, there's there's a ton of nonprofits. And unfortunately, some are not genuine, you know, in right. their intent. Um, it's more for, you know. Look, I started a nonprofit, and not really what it's intended for. But Active right. Valor obviously is not one of those. But how do you keep it relevant? Yeah, and donor fatigue as well. So I'm curious yeah. to know how you you keep that going in that sense. So we have actually our our growth came very quickly. Um, we're actually where we are right now on, on what I thought was going to be our five year mark. Um, it really just took off, and um, our our growth is completely organic too. I mean, we don't advertise for the mentors or for the families. I mean, all, all the, the gold star wives just share it within their community. And we continue. So every event we have is bigger than the last because we just have new families coming on board, which means new vets that we need to pair their kids up with. So we have continuously, um, have seen growth with every event and, um, San Diego alone, there's, there's about 12,000 nonprofits. So it's, it is difficult, and a lot of those are veteran-related, and um, so it does get a little difficult as far as where the money comes from or where the personnel comes from, and uh, at least at least without well, within the veteran nonprofits, um, they do a really good job with actually wanting to help out one another and not make it so competitive. I mean, we have a lot of our, our vets come from some of these other veteran nonprofits, and um our, our donor base this year as well, uh, really, we've gotten a lot of random, out-of-the-blue people that have come on and, uh, and have helped out. I mean, we really don't have a large recurring donor base. Um, we have 
a local um, law firm down in San Diego, uh, Battle Fulkerson Law Group, and you probably see them all over our our page. Uh, they've been our really only big constant support. I mean, they've actually been with us since the very start, and uh, they continue to just just show their love for us because uh, they believe in the mission. And uh, so this year, we actually had some um, pretty big partnerships as far as um, GovX just sponsored our last event. And uh, they did a fantastic job with doing a, a donation drive for us this summer um, and brought in a lot of traction. And so all the money we got from that sponsor this past event, um, we did a we did a, a video shoot with Boot Barn. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're a you know, country western clothing store. Oh, I mean, they're, yeah. they're nationwide. Sure. Where I buy my boots from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're nationwide. Yeah, and uh, so in June, it uh, for for their Father's Day catalog, they actually did a spread on us that featured some of our vets and some of our families, and uh, you know they sent it throughout their entire audience nationwide, and so they actually did a really big donation drive for us as well, and it was just completely unexpected, and uh, so this year we've just been blessed with companies that have happened to hear about us online or through through social media. And uh, have believed enough in the mission to want to give back. And so, um, the good thing with us too is we we've set ourselves up in a pretty safe situation where you know, we have no overhead and we, we don't have an office. Like we, I work from home, um, planning all these events, and uh, we're able to do things fairly cheaply when it comes to the events. Uh, mainly because it, it's like my wife's so creative, and uh, like her whole family comes from a very creative background and. We personally just put in all the details and all the work into all the events we do, um, so we're able to save a lot of money that way. But I mean, we're where we are now. Um, there, there might be a point, especially since we only operate in San Diego. There might be a point to where we kind of cap out any more families that come in. Um, but the families that have already, and the veterans that are already part of the program, I mean, they're they continuously want to be part of it, and so it'll be a need for them. Uh, you know. A, as far as I can see down the road, uh, I really don't see us. I mean, our mission, you know, might change down the road, and it, I'm sure it'll it'll grow, and, and, and different things will be different tweaks will be made. But um, or really, I see it being a need um, for the families and for the vets uh, for for years to come. So um, we're we're very comfortable with where we are. I mean, obviously, we could use a, a ton more support, but we we have all we need right now, and it's 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 really have given us the the blessing of just kind of not going on cruise control but like we're, we're able to do what we do and yeah. um to, to do it well and uh and to, well, so it, yeah, I mean, if we literally a, didn't get into the dime we'd be fine well fundraising is is a big effort you know i mean it's it's a good percentage of your effort expended on on the organization so it's good that the the ratio is is not the majority of the time you have to spend right you know learning everything yeah well you you're you're you know, the people who are coming to your program are coming from word of mouth. It's being spread from the quality and the good that you're doing, where people are recognizing that and they see the genuineness of what it is that you've got there as a program. Those are the things that are actually going to benefit you and sustain you for a longer period of time because, you know, people then start believing in it. And when they believe in it and they start sharing it, they're your best form of communication, your best, you know, way to get marketing and stuff out there. And it's better to grow like the way you have in that way in which maybe it comes on quick because more people hear about it and want to get involved. Uh, but that's better than all of a sudden receiving a whole lot of money and you're trying to figure out ways to spend it. 
right? Right. Um, you know, and then you run out of ideas or you don't stick to your core competencies as a business. And this can come whether you're nonprofit or for profit. So I think you're going about it the right way is what I'm saying. And I think you're you're handling it in a way in which you can, you know, grow it, maturely it, mature it further. And um and and I think that you've started a program here like Big Brother, Big Sister that I don't think I've ever heard of existed inside the veteran community. And maybe there are other organizations out there that are very similar from a mentoring type of standpoint, but I don't know of them. Like I mentioned, Gold Star Tina Ventures, it's somewhat similar, but it is still very different. So um, I commend you on that because it's a, it's a Thank new, you. yeah, it's a new niche that's out there that it's obviously needed uh, even within the Gold Star, Gold Star network. And like you mentioned, they're, pretty much tapped in they already know um everything that's going on out there but when when again they find a, an organization like yours where they see there's a value and a benefit they're going to continue coming back so i wish you much success uh with your organization and your future Thank and you everything very much. appreciate that yeah and I, I appreciate you coming on as well and telling us all about it because um again you know, this is something maybe we, we don't have as many casualties that are going on today, uh, but one life, there's still some family that's being affected by that life being lost somewhere. Absolutely. Whether yes. it's training. It's, yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as our, our Gold Star families and our veterans go, I mean, they, they don't have to be like for the vets, they don't have to be in their first year of transition. And we have some guys that have been out for almost their 20 years now. And so, I mean, it, it, it opens up the door a little bit to be able to expand our reach as far as the veterans and families go. Uh, I would say one of the biggest hardships we have right now is um, we have a ton of families that reach out to us from all over the country. And uh, which has been fantastic to see that our, our, you know, our organization has spread so far, but um, you know, we just don't have the means right now of being able to, physically bring families to us multiple times a year because we do want to make sure that it's a reoccurring thing you know when they yeah. when they have their men, uh, their mentorship started um this our program just isn't designed for a, a, a one and done um so yeah the hardest part is you know we, we never want to have to turn families away ever i mean we will always accept families from all over but um that's probably our our biggest goal now for the coming years is is how do we how do we find the means to be able to bring them to us? Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, the expansion in that way may not capture the same, you know, experience that you are creating there because you've, you've obviously honed that very well. Um, and it's better to get very good at what you do, you know, and spend the time doing that for a long period of time than it is for you to try to, to go out there outside of your means. So I think you're, again, you're, you're going slow, which is the right approach. And, um, Again, if you went out to a different location, you may not have the same experience as what you've created because you already know the network. You already have the people right. in place. Yeah, it's already right. there. It's harder to build in a place where you're unfamiliar with it, but the people there might be familiar with it. Mike, you had a comment? Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I'm really happy for you, Perry, and the organization because you're absolutely right. Your strength is there in San Diego. And, you know, the fact that you guys sort of run out of shoestring to devote all of your your resources to the families and the veterans. If you were to move it somewhere else, you know, like you said, you'd spend 20% of your resources and your time trying to do logistics and offsites right, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, so you're doing an awesome job and, and you're providing uh, service in a sea of nonprofits, you know, where a lot of things <laughs> where the mission gets lost. Um, you know, you and your staff are, are actually doing something that's small enough to be meaningful and relevant and controllable. So 
awesome job on that. I thank mean, you, I thank hope, you very much, I hope, guys. I hope it expands, and I hope you know you get the resourcing to come with it, and uh, that you maintain control of it. Perry, where where is it people can learn more about it? I mean, you said that there is a pipeline by which people, not only families but veterans, can come in and provide their information so that you can screen it and try to partner it up. But where do they go? I know you're automatically on Instagram because we follow you there, both Active Valor as well as um, your personal page. But outside of Instagram and and searching there, what are some other ways in which they can find more about the organization? Yeah, I mean, the, the best way is to head to our, our website, which is uh, activevalor.com. Um, on there, veterans uh, and Gold Star, uh, Gold Star families can sign up and register um, directly from our website, um, as well as we have our, 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 all our video content um, on there as well for people to enjoy all of our past adventures. Um, uh, like you said, social media is really big for us as far as seeing the journey, you know, mm-hmm. the and unfortunately, with pictures and videos, they're fantastic, but you just they they don't share what really goes on. And uh, it, I mean, obviously, it's the best we can do. But um, yeah, you can follow us on on Instagram at Active Valor, um, on Facebook at Active Valor as well. And uh, it's, it's those are probably the best ways to kind of share the the journey with us and and uh, see the growth. And it's yeah, it's been fantastic, and we've we've gotten such a great amount of feedback from from. Uh, our families and from our veterans and, and just from the public as well. Perry, thanks for coming on, brother. Appreciate it. Perry, take care, man. Nice to meet you. You guys too. Thank you very much.